Hello and welcome to K Sarah Sarah, the FA Cup podcast which takes you closer to some of the most fascinating stories surrounding the oldest cup competition in football. It might have started over 150 years ago, but the FA Cup is still something that so many people care about, and that is precisely what this podcast will aim to show. I'm your host, George Wilson, and I'll look to bring you interviews and discussion in every single episode. It's brilliant to have your company as we reflect on the fourth round proper weekend, which I thought offered so much to any neutral football fans tuning in across the four days. Hopefully, if you weren't watching as a neutral because your club were lucky enough to be one of the 32 clubs involved or probably lucky enough isn't the right phrase, you were just good enough to make it to that stage, hopefully you were able to take some enjoyment from it even if you didn't get the result you were hoping for because obviously there are going to be some teams in this case. There were a number of teams who we were surprised to see being dumped out of the FA Cup in round three. And although we didn't really see quite as many shocks in round four, at least before all of the replays take place, there were still many interesting stories and matches. And perhaps the biggest headline from the weekend was that the holders, Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool, were knocked out. They were beaten 2-1 at the Amex Stadium by Brighton and Hove Albion. Of course, it was one of the games I mentioned in the preview when talking about the fixtures that had deservedly been chosen to be played in front of the TV cameras. And I think ITV will have been pretty pleased with the product that was served up on the South Coast. It was clearly a disappointing day for Liverpool, but it's also important to remember it was a great one for Brighton. So... I caught up with Joe Sayers from the Albion Obsessed podcast just a day after the game. He was, as you can imagine, very happy to talk back through the action. And he also spoke about just how much pleasure he is getting from watching his team at the moment. Joe, thank you very much for coming on from the Albion Obsessed podcast. We're talking about Brighton's win over Liverpool, which, while we're speaking... It's only about 24 hours since that win at the Amex. So I take it at this point, you're kind of still enjoying it and still, yeah, really relishing that result. Yeah, especially in the fashion that we won the game as well. Um, Because Liverpool made a few changes in the second half and flipped the game and it looked like they they were on top and they they could be the ones to, to take it to the next round. But... It just so happened that Roberto De Zerbi is a tactical masterclass and he he changed things as Liverpool changed things and, and flipped the game back in our favour. I thought mm-hmm. when Billy Gilmore came came on, he gave us that extra extra man in midfield and we controlled the game again. Um, but yeah, the, the way to win that game was just unbelievable. And to, to be beating Liverpool, what, twice in two weeks? Um, it's quite special as a Brighton fan. You know, 25 years ago, we were on the brink of not existing as a football club. And and to be where we are now, I still pinch myself. Um, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, and it's been a fairly entertaining weekend across the FA Cup. Although I think it's been quite short in terms of the upsets. We've seen quite a few games like the Wrexham one yesterday, which was really entertaining. And it's Wrexham taking Sheffield United to a replay, which is an impressive feat. But in terms of upsets, in terms of knocking big teams out, there haven't been many of them. So 
this one kind of stands out in that Liverpool being the holders have been knocked out. But then there's also the element of, was this really a shock given Liverpool's season so far, Brighton's season so far as well? Like you just said there, it's the second time you've beaten Liverpool in a matter of weeks. So how do you see it? Were you going into yesterday thinking, you know, it's going to be a surprise if we beat them here? Or were you going in with a lot of confidence? Yeah, um, I got asked a similar question this morning on on Five Live and I said, you know, um, when you're coming up against Liverpool, it's always going to be tough. They're not Premier League champions and European champions or former European champions for a reason. Do you know what I mean? Uh, And as you say, they're they're holders of the FA Cup. So uh, it's it's not a totally different squad to to what they had last season. Um, A few players have fallen out of form. Mo Salah is a complete shadow of himself. Um, we mm. saw that at the Amex two weeks ago. Um, they certainly changed things. They they played better. Um, I was worried because you know Jurgen Klopp. He's he's no PE teacher, is he? He's a he's a world class coach. He's going to work us out, and he did that to a degree. Um, and they did make it tougher for us, which you know again sounds mental. Me saying. Liverpool made it tough for Brighton to beat them. But I was going into that game thinking, well, well why not? We we played them off the park two weeks ago. And De Zerbi is a, a, a mentality masterclass. He, he wouldn't let his players rest on their laurels. Um, he would go out there and say, do exactly that again and again and again and better. Because that's what De Zerbi does. We're, we, we were 4-1 up against Everton. And he came out in a press conference afterwards and said, I didn't I didn't like that performance. You're like, but Roberto, we just won four one. No, I didn't like it because we conceded. That's that's the perfection that you get from Deserbi, and I love that. I have to say on Deserbi as well, kind of from the outside looking in, I admire his um his level headedness when you see him in interviews, both before and after the game. The the fact that he can reach that level every time when he goes from being such a kind of energetic character even on the touchline. How have you kind of seen that evolve over the few months that he's been at the Amex? Because he's he's a different character to what Graham Potter was, isn't he? Polar opposites, I think. <laughs> um, you got, you've got a manager that, you know, gives emotion on the touchline, as you rightly say. He won't mince his words in, in the post-match or pre-match uh, press conferences. He'll tell journalists exactly what he thinks of them uh, and what he thinks of their questions as well. Um, and you've also got a manager that's going to come out and say, I want this in the transfer market, whereas Graham Potter was very much, oh, I'm happy with what I got. I believe in the boys. I believe in the boys. Deserby is that. You know, He's put his arm around a lot of the players that were falling out of favour and they've come in and they've done unbelievably well. Solly March, like his goal scoring record has just gone through the roof, which is um, crazy to see. I've always loved Solly March, um, but it's no secret that his, his goal output wasn't there. Um, mm. and, and now it is. And yeah, it's, it's clear to, to see what that difference in mentality gets you. Um, and it's that like never ending search for, for perfection that in football, um, Deserve you once, and you know he'll he'll never get there. But that's that's exactly what you want. You've already touched on as well, kind of the the way that the game concluded yesterday with Brighton kind of regaining control of it in the latter stages. But we have to mention as well the the quality of the goal that actually clinched it. You mentioned there about Solly March, but 
one of the star performers for Brighton in recent weeks has been Caro Matoma. He, of course, scored that brilliant goal at Leicester a week ago, didn't he? But this goal yesterday was also quite something. I'm not going to try and describe the goal because I think if people are listening and they haven't seen it, all I would say is go and watch it. But with Matoma, do you almost kind of feel pretty fortunate to be watching a player of his quality every single week? Because, yeah, he he just looks really, really impressive every time you watch him. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with, with how this season's gone, with how much we've lost, you sort of think he's doing so well, like he's going to get poached mm-hmm. at some point. So it's it's almost a case of enjoying whilst we can, because you know th- things when when you're a, a I, we always put this in quotation marks when you're a team like Brighton, um, things don't tend to last for for that long. But we are loving it. Um, Mitoma has been a breath of fresh air. He came in uh, after his loan spell at USG. We bought him from uh, a Japanese team that the, the team name escapes me. Um, but this guy was playing university football four years ago and now he's mm-hmm. playing at the top level. He's just played in a World Cup, was arguably Japan's game changer off the bench uh, on multiple occasions. Um, and we get to see him do that for us. Um, every time he gets the ball, it's, it's bums off seats. It's excitement. And we, we haven't had that in a winger it's probably since Anthony Knockout in the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really exciting to have that directness. We we always seem to sort of tippy tappy it around and think about going forwards, but don't. Whereas Kerry Matoma, he gets the ball, and the next thing you know, he, he's at the edge of the box, pulling a shot away or, or getting across in. And we were kind of talking before we started recording this about the situation at the moment with Caicedo and also previous situations like Trossard leaving earlier this month or Bissouma in the summer and Cucurella. Does the fact that you've still got players like Matoma who are performing like they are, that must give you hope as a supporter that no matter how many of these players keep leaving, that the success can continue when you've got someone like Deserbi who we've already mentioned? Yeah, the the good thing about our squad is like I said to you before we we uh, started recording our boards that they're replacement geniuses we always seem to have a replacement ready and waiting in the wings to to come in and uh, we always say as well no one person is bigger than this football club if you don't want to be here then then leave and like if Caicedo does stay you worry is he going to give 100% well it's in his best interest too because he wants to get his move in the summer Mm-hmm. Um, so you would hope he would, but if he doesn't, there's Billy Gilmore waiting for his chance. There's our new signing, uh, Yasin Iari, who's just come in today, um, ready and waiting for his chance. Um, so the players can't rest on their laurels. Um, we've got a really good, young, healthy, and competitive squad. Um, and it's really exciting as a Brighton fan. Um, and if we do get Europe, we we've got the chance of of keeping these players and and building something for the future. Uh, like like Leicester did once they won the Premier League. I know they got picked apart a little bit, but they still b- built something and they still got European football for a couple of seasons. That's mm-hmm. what we want. Not to win yeah. the league, obviously, but <laughs> maybe. <laughs> no, you 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 could dream of that. Dreaming cannot hurt. You've knocked Liverpool out of the competition then. There's also Chelsea and Arsenal who are already out of this year's FA Cup. So are you looking at it now going into round five? 
are you viewing this as a real opportunity to go far in the competition or possibly even winning it, dare I say it? Well, we've now got two chances of getting European football. Um, that That's one in the league and if we win the cup. And the only team that worries me that's left in the cup is Manchester City, really. I think we can beat United on our day. Um, I know they've improved since we we played them on the opening day. Um, but I, I trust us against anyone except for Man City or Arsenal, who are, you know, different beasts this season. So why not? Why why not go all the way? And history repeats itself. You know, 40 years ago in 1983, we got to our first ever FA Cup final. And on the way to, to that FA Cup final, we beat Liverpool um, and we beat Sheffield Wednesday, who are still in the cup. So if we get Sheffield Wednesday, um, I'm some kind of fortune teller and history is going to repeat itself. Um, and we let, let's say we get to the final. Why not? I like your thinking. Um, you mentioned there kind of 1983 when you made it to the final, but in terms of more recent history as well, I had a look and I saw you made the quarterfinals in 2018 and the semifinals a year later in 2019, both of those being under Chris Hewton, who I know he, he got you up. And then in terms of the Premier League, it kind of it reached a point where Brighton were ready to part ways. And having seen Hewton, Hewton's style as a Norwich fan, I can completely understand how that came to a head like it did. But in terms of the runs in the cup that you went on with him, what do you remember about them? And other elements of it that make you think, yeah, we we want to ha- we want to take this further and we want to have that again. Yeah, well, with the quarterfinal the year before uh, we got to the semis, uh, that was a quarterfinal against Man United away at Old Trafford, um, and under Hugh and you saw that was probably our first season in the Premier League as well, if I remember rightly. So we were just going at a free hit. You're playing at Old Trafford against Man United. Um, I think we only lost 1-0 as well. So, you know, really positive stuff from us. Bowed out in the end, but, you know, you're proud that you got to the quarterfinal whilst being in the Premier League for the first time in God knows how long. And then the season after, um, we were struggling in the league um, and it was the it was a cup run that sort of galvanised us, really. You know, kept so positive and we went to uh, Millwall in the quarterfinals. Uh, and that was such a slog of a game. We were 2-0 down on 68 minutes, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, why are we going out like this to, to <laughs> Millwall, of all people? Um, no disrespect to Millwall, but when you're a Premier League club, it's, you know. Um, and then <laughs> the craziest thing happened. Jurgen Lacardia scored a goal. Um, and then Solly March um, somehow snuck in a free kick. I don't know how it went in, but the goalkeeper went up to catch it. It fumbled off his hand and went in the top corner. Um, and then we took it to extra time. And then you think, and then you're dreaming of the arch of Wembley. Um, <laughs> and you're thinking, right, obviously we got Man City in the next round. And that was was what it was. But, you know, if we got, I think it was either Watford or... Or Wolves, wasn't it, that year? Wolves. Yeah, Watford or Wolves. So... You think if, if the draw had gone another way, we probably yeah. would have, hopefully would have won the semi-final and, and seen ourselves at a, a FA Cup final. But that would have been against Man City again. But, and I think but that, I think they thumped Watford 6-0 in that final as did. well, didn't they? I don't <laughs> think they would have smashed us that badly. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they only beat us 1-0 at Wembley. And even that was a really controversial game because uh, Kyle Walker should have seen red 
It was, uh, I think it was VAR's first season as well. He headbutted Jahambash, clear, clear headbutt. Um, I'm still bitter about it. I don't care, Man City <laughs> fans. If you're listening, I'm still, I'm still angry. But you know, it is what it is. You, you go, go out to Man City. You've had a great day at Wembley. You know, I never thought I'd see Brighton at Wembley. I, I thought I might see him in a, in the playoff final, but playoffs, we were cursed in the playoffs. Um, but you know, other than that. It doesn't come around often, but hopefully it can come around this season. Yeah, and we've got the fifth draw, which, you know, at the time that we're speaking hasn't been made yet. You've already mentioned there how Sheffield Wednesday are still in the hat, but have you had a look at the ball numbers? Is there a team or a couple of teams that you wouldn't mind being drawn against, or is it just a case of anyone but Manchester City, like you said earlier? Yeah, now, obviously, if Wrexham beat Sheffield United, I'd like to play Wrexham just because of the whole Ryan Reynolds thing. I think Ryan Reynolds is awesome and I I love the the documentary. But I wouldn't like to play them away. Um, I think I remember the Wrexham fans saying they have a 100% record, um, yeah. which they still have because obviously they got a draw. Um, so maybe if they beat Sheffield United away, then I'd like to see them down at the Amex. I'd like an easy one, to be honest, just just so we can sort of relax, watch a good game of football. But I say an easy one. No, no game in the FA Cup is easy. That's disrespectful of me. You know, we played Charlton in the Carabao Cup. We we drew nil nil, um, and they beat us on penalties. So fair play to them. You know, any game is going to be really difficult. And I think as a Brighton fan, you have to acknowledge that you know the magic of the FA Cup is well and truly still alive, and mm-hmm. we we could be done by it. It's very true, and I I think like you say, if if you were to be drawn against a championship or league one club like Wednesday then a trip down to the Amex to take on a Brighton team who have looked so strong this year that that's going to be a scalp for them isn't it so yeah like and they say, beat Newcastle uh, as well so mm-hmm. you know that no, none of these teams like pe- people will say oh this is an easy draw this is an easy draw when, when you really really think about it all of these teams are like elite athletes probably from from halfway through League One upwards, it's all such good quality football. Um, the 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 league pyramid has improved so much. The championship is the strongest it's it's probably ever been. League One, there's teams in there. You're thinking, how are they in League One? Um, so you know, no, as I said, no team is is a, a guaranteed win. And so a- anyone except for Man City, I, I would like to see because when you come up against Man City, you're like, yeah, we're gonna lose. <laughs> Yeah, and I have to say, I'd, I would like to see you go further as well because it's kind of been a trend on this podcast. I, I haven't really spoken to many supporters of the so-called Big Six because, and I've kind of spoken to interviewees and said, wouldn't it be nice to see more winners of this competition who aren't from that so-called Big Six? So I think Brighton well, are... We're, we're, we're sixth in the Premier League, so we're very true. <laughs> I like your thinking. Um, Joe, I will tie it up there. Thank you so much for your time. But before I let you go, I've mentioned you're from the Albion Obsessed podcast. As we've already said, you're fighting on two fronts in the Premier League and the FA Cup for European football this year. So I'm sure you've got lots of content planned from now until the end of the season and beyond. So if people want to check that out, where can they find you? Yeah, so it's on YouTube. Just type in Albion Obsessed, you'll find us there. Um, we're on the uh, charge for 500 subscribers. So uh, yeah, be a part of it. It'd be great to see you there. On Twitter, social media, it's just at Albion Obsessed. Nice and simple. Yeah, it's it's very good fun this season, as you can imagine. So come and join the fun.
Absolutely. I, I'm going to go and check that out, I have to say, and for the rest of the season too. So, yeah, all that's left to say, Joe, by the time this goes out, the draw will probably be made. But for now, I will say good luck in tonight's draw. I hope you get the, the tie that you're after. And, yeah, good luck to Brighton for the rest of the season. Cheers, mate. Really appreciate it. Great to hear from Joe there. I think it's impossible to not admire what Roberto De Zerbi and his Brighton team have done so far this season, both in the league and in the FA Cup. I'll leave Twitter links for Albion Obsessed's account as well as Joe's own in the description, as I do with every guest we have on. So do go and have a look if you get the chance. In terms of the other standout moments from the weekend then, I think I have to mention the Wrexham versus Sheffield United game next. We had Tim on from Wrexham podcast, Fearless in Devotion, last week. And he spoke about just how good the feeling is around that club at the moment. And that was pretty clear to see if you tuned in on Sunday afternoon as well. Tim predicted a 2-2 draw when I asked him last week. And for a little while, it appeared that it was going to come in. So I was going to congratulate him. In the end, he didn't get the correct result. He did get the right outcome. It, of course, ended up 3-3. There was more late drama to come late on. And they'll do it all again at Bramall Lane. Wrexham have been allocated just under 5,000 tickets. So I'm sure they'll have a good night in South Yorkshire, regardless of how it goes. In terms of the other notable results, we have Manchester City edging past Arsenal on Friday night, thanks to Nathan Ake's goal. And there were plenty of entertaining draws on Saturday afternoon. Sunderland drew 1-1 with Fulham at Craven Cottage and could have won it there had it not been for VAR chalking off 15-year-old Chris Riggs late goal, 15 years old and nearly scoring in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Ipswich Town of League One, they held Burnley to a 0-0 draw at Portman Road, so that's heading for a replay. And Grimsby Town, they earned themselves a replay too. They drew 2-2 with Luton Town at Kenilworth Road. 3-0 was the biggest margin of victory across the 16 games. Two teams managed to win by that margin, both on Saturday. Those two teams were Bristol City. They won 3-0 against West Brom at Ashton Gate. And Tottenham Hotspur as well beat Preston North End 3-0 at Deepdale. A brilliant performance from Hyung Min Son in that one. His first goal in particular was quite something. Then on Sunday, we saw League Two Stevenage's journey in this season's competition come to an end. They were beaten 3-1 by Stoke City. In that game, Josh Laurent, or Josh Laurent, I'm not sure I've pronounced that correctly the first time. He scored a fantastic goal for Stoke. Make sure you go and watch that if you haven't already, because I think that game kind of went under the radar a little bit with all the excitement at Brighton and Wrexham. Then on Monday night, we have West Ham avoiding an upset by beating Derby County fairly convincingly at Pride Park. I should mention as well on the Saturday, obviously, Leeds avoided an upset by beating Accrington and Leicester as well. So well done to those two teams as well, because I know they might be hearing that West Ham mention and wondering why they didn't get one. So that's that one all covered and everything mentioned that needed to be mentioned from the weekend, hopefully. Before I start looking ahead and thinking about what's to come... Something I thought about this weekend was that 
I'm starting to notice that maybe top flight managers are taking the competition more seriously than they might have done in recent seasons. It's just a bit of an observation of mine with regards to team selection, I'm kind of thinking. I'm wondering if that's a reason why we haven't seen as many surprises, at least the weekend that has just passed. For example, there was Manchester City with Pep Guardiola making just one change to the team that beat Wolves in the Premier League, that change being the goalkeeper with Edison being rested. And keeping with the Manchester clubs, Manchester United also made just a single change from their win at Nottingham Forest in the Carabao Cup. That was Harry Maguire coming in for Martinez to play against Reading on Saturday. Like I said, it's purely an observation, but it's something I wanted to mention because I think it's a really positive thing to see, particularly in the earlier rounds of the competition for the Premier League clubs. We're used to seeing strong teams being played in the quarters or the semis when they realise there's a genuine chance for winning a trophy. But we have seen in previous years some in the third and fourth round because the league is so significant for them in terms of finances, but also other things. We've seen some make nine, ten changes. And I know we did see that in the third round with Nottingham Forest making ten and they were punished for it. But hopefully some of the other Premier League teams are reaping the benefits from realising, yeah, let's take this really seriously and play our best team. Both of the clubs I've just mentioned are through to the fifth round Manchester City and Man United, that is. And the draw has been made since I spoke to Brighton fan Joe. He didn't sound too fussy in terms of who he wanted to be drawn against. He simply wanted to avoid Manchester City. Well, Brighton have done that. They've been given an away game against Stoke City of the Championship. I think it's a game they'll be fairly confident of winning, particularly after putting five past another championship side in Middlesbrough in round three. But Stoke will, of course, be out to surprise them. I'm looking at the draw now. The ones which stand out, Bristol City against Manchester City is one of those. You would think that one will be televised with it being a championship side at home against Manchester City. Wrexham, as well, have been given a real added incentive to win their replay against Sheffield United because if they manage to do that, they will welcome Tottenham Hotspur to the racecourse ground. And we know how good their home record has been. And Joe alluded to that as well. There's also a chance that we could see Nathan Jones going up against his former employers, Luton Town. But Grimsby will have something to say about that, I'm sure. There's four weeks to go until that fifth round takes place. It'll be during a midweek as well. That, that's something to think about if your team is still involved as it has been for the last few seasons. And there won't be any replays. So the fourth round replays, that's the last we'll see of the replays this year. There are plenty of those still to be settled, of course. And it is my intention to fit another episode in, focusing in specifically on those, because I think there's some interesting stories to potentially come out of them. Interestingly, one replay has already taken place, if you weren't aware. That was between Birmingham City and Blackburn Rovers. They clearly didn't want to waste any time after their 2-2 draw at the weekend. It was Blackburn who won it at St Andrews on Tuesday night. It finished 1-0 in extra time, so well done to them on making it into the last 16 for the first time in six years. So I'll wrap things up there. Thanks again for listening. The round four preview performed really well in terms of listener numbers, which I was really happy about. If you've just started listening and you're enjoying what you're hearing, then do give the pod 
a follow on Twitter at Pod or email us if you feel like it as well kserasarapod at gmail.com I'm always open to emails hearing your suggestions or just your comments on games you've seen etc so feel free to do that but that's everything tied up for episode 9 with any luck it hopefully won't be too long until episode 10 